Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, uh, April 13th. What's going on? How are you? You did it. I want to congratulate you. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Um, you made it past peak week of COVID-19. The most people were going to get it. And whatever was going to happen was going to happen. And you got through it and you didn't get it. Huh? How about that? You wore your mask. You kept on your gloves. You took your vitamin C. Hey, 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 hey. Don't breathe on me. Six feet, motherfucker. Right? Everybody thought you were the asshole. And now look at you. You're on the other side of it. Huh? Their regular season is over and you've gone into the playoff rounds. Look at that. You had a great fucking combine. You're a blue chip pick now. Asymptomatic motherfucker. Well, how many people can say that? Yeah, reality, mathematically speaking, uh, over 99% of the world's population could say that. All right? But still, a lot of people got that shit, and you didn't. You didn't. And I'll tell you, if, if, if world history and the causes of war that I have learned throughout, we, we fucking either come in or go out. Goddamn thing. Bing, 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 bing. Boom, 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 on my fucking house. Ding, 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 ding. Anytime anybody fucking walks in and out. Anyway, if anything has told me what that means, okay, that you are asymptomatic after peak week, what I've learned through my reading of history, that means only one thing and one thing only. God loves you better. Okay, God, God, don't get me wrong. God loves everybody. Okay, but certain people he loves more. Okay, and depend, oh my God, and depending on what book you, you got, you guys hearing that bing, 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 every fucking five seconds. I don't understand it. Do not understand it. Bing, 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 bing. Um, like a criminal's going to stop. Oh, they, they, they fucking bing, 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 bing me. Uh, if that's just coming upstairs to me, then all he's got to do is snuff me out, right? Um, yeah, that's what I've learned. Throughout history, there are, depending on what book you read, all right? If you read the Koran, God loves Muslims the most. If you read the uh, the Bible, he loves the Christians. If you read, uh, what do Jewish people read? The Torah? Or is that a kind of sushi? What the fuck is their Bible? They, 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 no, they have the Bible. They just, they just stop. They stopped at the first one, right? They stopped at the, the Old Testament. And then the Gentiles kept going. And went on and made fucking Godfather 3. <laughs> we should have stopped at the classic. We got greedy. We kept going. We kept fucking going. Yeah. 
Just know that. I know it's a rough time. I know it's a strange time. I know you're trying to figure out what this new world means. But if you're still asymptomatic, just know that the invisible guy that only talks to you through your thingy thing in the middle of your chest there, he loves you more than he loved other people, evidently. I learned that by going to church almost every week. Jesus loves us best, even though he made everybody. Well, Jesus didn't make everybody. Jesus is like the Donald Trump of the God family. You know what I mean? God comes down. He fucking he he, he builds the empire, the universe, all that is said. The fucking, the black and the white, the up and the down, the odds and the even numbers, the alpha and the omega, whatever the fuck that fucking mumbo jumbo shit is. And then he comes in, right? Albeit with a better head of hair than Donald Trump, right? But still, he was definitely doing something wild with his hair. You know, trying to look like the fucking lead singer of the Black Crows, you know, Jesus Robinson. And then he came along. And what did he do? He starts fucking showing off, walking on water. Hey, look at this little basket of bread. I got enough for everybody. What, you got a little bread behind you here. Oh, right. Walking around, no shirt on like JFK Jr. Just doing anything he can to fucking add to his legacy. And what happened? What happened? He ran his yap too much. He drew too much attention to himself. And just like in any respectable, respectable mob family, he got himself whacked. That's what happened. Jesus became more trouble than he was worth. Okay, if he kept his fucking shirt on, you know, did a little fucking miracle here or there without anybody seeing it, you know, stopped calling attention to himself, but that wasn't his thing. You know, he saw what his dad did in six days. You know, six days, guy put his feet up on... Sunday, after having created the whole fucking universe. So right now you're Jesus, okay? You know, you already have some sort of weird family dynamic. You know, Joseph giving you the side eye. Having to sit there and be all right that his wife got the God dick, you know, and he somehow has to follow that. It didn't mean anything. It didn't. No, wait, no, wait. He didn't bang her. He, I don't know what he, he just looked at. He just looked at her. Whoa! Right. And then she was pregnant. It's so fucking hard to keep track of those goddamn stories because there's not like a fucking grounded point that you can start at. Well, I guess you can. There was this couple, Jesus and Mary. Remember that band, the Jesus and Mary chain? Were they the ones that say, I got everything to do with you? Who, who? I'm alive. Let me see. Jesus and Mary Chain. What was their song? What was their song? Don't know what color your eyes are, baby. Were they the ones who sang that? All right. What do we got here? Jesus and Mary Chain. Oh, my God. Oh, the master. Meet your new instructor. Those fucking master classes. Go fuck yourself. Wouldn't you be out master doing whatever the fuck it is you're good at? Where is it? Come on. Let's hear a little volume here.
Jesus, these guys look a little depressed from being in a music video. Oh, is this the guy from The Cure? Wait a minute. Is this one of these depressing people? Just like honey. Um, I love when chicks love bands like that with those sad brooding guys. You know, why do they like that? Because uh, they feel less threatened. I don't want to listen to that guy screaming. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I get that. But then in the back of your head, you're also thinking when you see that guy with that fucking tumbleweed haircut, you know, looking down at the ground like, oh, I don't really want to do this. The record label's making me make the video. Are they thinking in their head, this is the kind of rock star I could be with because I think I could control him. You know, he's not getting any puss puss with that fucking look on his face, right? Staring at the ground, drawing fucking half moons with one foot in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hands in his pockets. Hey, reverse Jim Morrison. Fuck do you think you're doing? Um, you, you got the vibe of somebody who worked at Kinko's back in the day. Um, oh, my God. Remember the Kinko cunts? Oh, they were the worst. Or were we the worst? I'd come in. I, how the fuck do I use this thing? Well, you place it down, face down, and you hit start or print. Um, all right. Old Freckles, old Freckles is down 11 pounds. He's sticking with his diet. And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that over 50, you can get your abs back. If you're willing to put in the fucking time. And just not eat anything that's remotely fucking... I don't know. You get used to it. You get used to it. But um, I've decided, yeah, I'm going to get my abs back and I'm going to be able to play good times, bad times. I have done neither yet, but I've come closer. All right. I did fuck up yesterday because we had a little Easter dinner and there was a little bit of chocolate cake there. Bill is great. Ate some chocolate cake. Um. One of my favorite bits of all time. Um, yeah, so I did a little bad yesterday, but, you know, I'm going to be good for the rest of the fucking week. And um, then I've just been doing my fucking little Abby Ab workout every day. And then at night when I, everybody's to bed, right, I go out to the, the gay Raj and uh, I just work on the good times, bad times thing. And my wonderful instructor, Dave Elich. Help me out. Once again, I said, well, I don't fucking get it. I can sit here and play this lick at 80, 85 BPMs. And then I try to play it with the song and I crap out at 70 or 75. What's going on? And he just said, let me ask you this. How are you practicing it? Are you just sitting there doing it for, for, for how long? I said like five, 10 minutes. He goes, yeah, you're burning your foot out. <laughs> I was just like... Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. So now I, I changed my approach. So I do it for a few minutes, leave it alone, play a couple of songs, come back to it, and it's made a world of difference. Uh, of difference. Made a world of difference. Is I saying that right? Made a world of difference. Yeah. For some reason I thought it was differences. Um, 
So I just keep doing that. And have I fucking told you guys about this kid that I'm following on uh, Instagram? Have I? Where the fuck is my phone? I know my phone's here. I, I got I to gotta give a shout out to this kid. This fucking kid is amazing. I don't know how old he is, but he, he looks like he's like fucking 17, 18 years old. He's playing all these old school, like note for fucking note, this kid. He's playing all these old school, uh, like Buddy Rich, Max Roach, Roy Haynes. I haven't seen him mess with Tony Williams yet. You got to see this kid. Uh, 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 Papa Joe Jones stuff. All right. He, it's Grayson, G-R-E-Y-S-O-N underscore, I don't know, Necrutman, N-E-K-R-U-T-M-A-N. Just go on his site and just watch it, just note for note. Buddy Rich, just fucking killing this shit. I know I think I brought this up before, but um, absolutely incredible. And it's really cool to see somebody that young that is into that shit. Because my dad used to listen to all that stuff, so I grew up on that and um, a lot of that type of stuff, plus the crazy shit that I was listening to, or at least the shit that he thought was crazy. I remember he used to call all of our music jungle culture because right around that time, uh, uh, oh, what was that band? Do you really want to hurt me? Didn't they have jungle in their name? Do you really want to make me cry? Who's fucking, who was that? I literally just had the name, but then I said, uh, wait, Culture Club. Culture Club, and then he called it Jungle Culture because they had some fucking song that had jungle in it. He goes, what are you, you listening to that Jungle Culture? (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't make a difference what anything was. Um, That was just, it was all Jungle Culture. So... um, Anyway, yeah, check him out. And then I follow this other one. Uh, let's see. This, this is what we've gotten to, considering there's just nothing going on in the world. Let's just let's look at some of the shit that I, fo- that I follow on Instagram. Um, I'm not going to be able to find any of it now. I follow, uh, obviously, all things comedy. I follow back in the day cars underscore between all of those that's really fucking cool because you will see some classic cars that are worth a fortune and somebody's driving it in the snow because it's like old school pictures like from back in the day taking them just not like the all the uh the um you know Meekum and you know everything is fucking mint on it nate smith drums uh i am Derek bennett bass player uh then there's one i follow it's like solo dallas is a great one what's the one here there's one dr steve gad of course i follow one that says uh trucks your dad would drive i think is what it is that 70s perspective that's just the dumb shit that i fucking I don't know. There's something about lions too. Of course, now nobody, none of them have posted. Yeah, I watch a bunch of shit about lions, and for whatever fucking reason, I I do watch a bunch of shit lately. Animals killing each other. 
And I also watch a bunch of shit about helicopters. My dream helicopter, which used to be the fucking, uh, used to be the fucking uh, Huey 500, the one from fucking Magnum PI. And now I kind I, I like the A Star 350. That's the one. If I could have any one, I think that that's the one that I would have. Um, only because I hear the back seat is uncomfortable. And the, what is it? I think it's an MD 500 now. Um, anyway, did I mention I cleaned out my garage? It is fucking immaculate. My garage is so fucking clean with the epoxy floor that I, I take my shoes off, my sneakers, my gym shoes. I take them off when I go fucking in there. Everything laid out where it needs to be. And I'm loving it. And guess what happens? The second I get it cleaned out, my wife, you know, because she's fucking going nuts. She's like, oh, I was thinking of having the closet redone. So I'm like, all right, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, you know, make some more space. And there's this one closet where we have all our luggages in there. So she was saying her, her plans for that closet. And I go, so where would, the, where would all those big pieces of luggage go? And she goes, oh, out in the garage. And I go, I fucking knew it. I knew it. I fucking knew it. I finally got everything off the fucking floor. I hate a fuck. You know, Oprah Winfrey loves bread. I hate clutter the way she loves bread. I fucking hate. I hate clutter. And I fucking hate the garage is one of the coolest fucking places in the house if it's neat. And I fucking, there's nothing cooler than when you go over a man's house, a fucking man's man, and you go out there, he's got all his tools fucking where they're supposed to be. The floor is fucking gleaming. There's an old fucking classic car or truck in the fucking things. He's got a set of drums. It, my fucking garage is the shit. Little area to work out to keep the dad bod under fucking control. Okay, you go over a man's house. He fucking says hello. He shakes your head. He gives you some roast beef. You're trying to size him up. I'll tell you, you have no idea who the fuck you're sitting across from until you go out and you look at his goddamn garage. All right? If you go out in his garage and it is a fucking mess, you don't want to get in business with that guy. If you go out there and there's a bunch of lady shit out there, fucking strollers and old dresses and shit, this guy has his junk tucked between his legs and he's not going to be able to take the ball over the goal line. Okay? And at that point, you take his dead fish fucking hand, you shake it, you thank him for the fucking roast beef, whatever the fuck sandwich he made you, and you walk out and you don't even look back. Because you don't want to see him standing on the top of his front steps, Right? His bottom lip quivering as he thinks about the man he could have been, knowing why that you're leaving. You don't want to see that. You get in your car, right? You put on a little Night Ranger and you fucking drive away. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, she's trying to tell me that. No. The closet people are going to my closet people. It's a fucking epidemic, pandemic, whatever the fuck it is. It's a pandemic. Ain't fucking coming up. I'm saying after it's done, 
Eretz Ora. Um, they're going to come over here and they're going to do some shit up my garage. Um, it's usually called a garage, but this is called a garage because I go into it. Um, what are you, a little light in the loafers there, Freckles? Um, I got uh, – so we're just going to put a little – some cabinets, all right, in the back, right? So my wife goes, you know, what? first they were going to be white. And I'm like, I don't want white. It's going to look boring, you know, just a row of white cabinets. And then also a garage is an inherently dirty place no matter how – much you clean it up, right? The fucking landscapers come over. They got the fucking leaf blower. That always gets underneath the, the, the goddamn thing there, right? Oh, my little buddy, the lizard. I think he got eaten by a snake. I haven't seen him in a while. Made me really sad. But now there's some more lizards. Like the geckos, they, they fucking hang out. was kind of hoping the dude was going to be all right because he was, uh, you know, he had a safe haven in my garage. And, uh, but you know, when you're a lizard, when you're a gecko, you're basically, you know, you're an appetizer. You just, you're for the, you know, you're like the slider of the lizard family. So I haven't seen any of my buddies lately. They all had names and now they're gone. So now there's this one little one that my, my daughter loves, but is also scared of. Uh, she likes it because it's a baby. When, when it tries to run away from us and it's on the epoxy floor and it can't get a grip, it's doing like a million miles an hour with its legs, but it's only going like half a mile an hour and it kind of freaks her out. Um, but anyway, so I was like, I don't know. She goes, how about black? <clears throat> I'm thinking, all right, that could be cool. And then I was like, I kind of have like a, a baby blue wall in my garage, I was thinking about what about a little darker blue, but a matte blue with black handles. And she's like, and, and hinges. And she's just like, no, no. And in my head, I'm like, um, we made a deal when we got into this house. The house was yours. And the garage was mine. Why are you making decisions on the color of the cabinets? You know? And she just looked at me and laughed. So evidently I'm getting the matte black, which is a little hacky, I think, at this point. Um, but I think it's going to look good up against the blue, maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, and then my uh, my little podcast area, I'm finally I'm getting a bookshelf that's of quality now, unlike the last one. And I'm getting all my shit and everything's going to be fucking ready to go here. So I'm going to come out of this quarantine. All right. With over 50 abs, which means you still want my shirt on. You don't want to see him. You just want to be like, oh, you know, for an old guy, he looks all right with all of those clothes on. Key part of that sentence is all of those clothes on. Um, anyway, uh, so I got to tell you guys this, as much as I am enjoying being home and getting all of this shit done, uh, you know, spending time with my family, losing weight, getting eight hours sleep, having some time off. Uh, I really miss going out there and making you guys laugh. And I, I, 
I'm thankful that I get to do this, but I can't hear you laughing. In fact, uh, someone I went to high school with sent me a text message and he goes, hey, man, I, I was listening to your podcast. You made me laugh, blah, 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 whatever the hell I said. And it actually, the text message really made me feel good. You know? I fuck, I, I never thought I, I mean, I did stand up for so fucking long, 28 goddamn years, never took a break. This this is the longest I've gone without doing stand up since I started. And um, easily. And uh, I remember saying to my wife numerous times going, you know, because I kept saying I was going to retire from this shit when I'm around 70. She goes, you're never going to retire. You're going to die on stage. I go, yeah, yeah. I go, you know, you don't get it. You don't fucking get it, right? And I think she, after taking a month off here, I think she's right. Um, It's too much goddamn fun. It's too much fun, and I just keep thinking of dumb shit that I want to say or start talking about because that's how the process works with the bullshit that I do. And I go, that's kind of a fucked up thing to think. I'm going to start talking about that tonight on stage and see where it goes. Huh? Do you think any uh, – I wonder – you know what's going to be weird coming out of all of this? I want, I'm wondering if the white chicks lost all their momentum, you know, during this whole woke time that was actually supposed to be about people of color until white women took the whole fucking thing over and that's all anybody decided to listen to was them. I'm just wondering if they have lost any of their momentum. And um, I have to tell you from the bottom of my heart, if they have, I think it's really funny. <laughs> Out of all the complaining that I heard, all of it made sense. There was all valid points, but the ones that made the least amount of sense, but for some reason were the loudest, was all these white broads fucking complaining. White broads married to white men living their white lives. I I couldn't believe the degree of difficulty. I couldn't believe their, their lack of perspective. You know, like, all right, so you got it tough. Well, look at your place in society. If you have it tough, imagine what it would be like to be somebody who didn't look like you. And all they could focus on was white males. That's what their shit was about. As much as they acted like they gave a fuck about other people of color, they didn't. All they gave a fuck about was what white, what they perceived that white males have. So I have a question for you, white ladies. Do you ever think that white males have so much in life as a reward for having to deal with living with white ladies? Um... <laughs> Oh man, you know what? I, oh, oh, geez. You know what I watched the other day? I was watching. Um, I was watching some classic baseball, and I was watching Game Four of the nineteen seventy seven World Series, the New York Yankees versus the Los Angeles Dodgers, in Chavez Ravine, back in early October nineteen seventy seven. I remember watching that series. 
It's one of the first. It was the first World Series that I watched. It was fucking hilarious. It came on like during the day. I'd come home after school. And the goddamn game was. Oh wait, no. It started at like four or five, three or four in the afternoon. So it was still seven o'clock at night. So we were watching the thing and uh, just watching. And I was once again trying to memorize all the teams, and they came right back to me. Thurman Munson, the late great Thurman Munson, uh, at catcher, and then he had. I always forget if it's Greg or Craig Nettles. I just remember that he caught Yaz's check swing pop fly out for that one-game playoff in 78. Bucky Dent at shortstop. Willie Randolph at second. Chris Shambliss at first. And then their outfield was fucking Lou Pinella, Mickey Rivers, and the one and only Reggie Jackson. And then the fucking Dodgers had Steve Yeager. Jägermeister, Steve Jäger, who just was like, he was the 70s. He had the 70s glasses. He had the fucking permed out fucking curly Q fucking hairdo. He just was the coolest looking dude, right? Um, And then you had Ron Say, the Penguin at third. I think he was there. He might have got there in 78, but I didn't see him. I watched a couple innings. I don't remember him getting up to bat. And, no, wait, I think he did. I think he flew out. Lou Pinella robbed him of a home run. Davey Lopes at short. No, at second. Russell. Was it Bill Russell? Like the Celtics? Was it short? Steve Garvey. Movie star looking dude. At first base. Then it was Dusty Baker out in left field. Reggie Smith and then like Lee Lacey or something. Tommy Lasorda was the manager of the fucking Dodgers and Billy Martin was the manager for the Yankees. They just, they, they, they don't make them like that anymore. Um, and interestingly enough, pitching for the Dodgers, not in this game, on, on their staff was Tommy John, which everybody knows his name from Tommy John surgery because he was the first guy where they took the ligament from your fucking leg and stuck it in your elbow and it actually worked. Um, he was the first guy, so it was called Tommy John Surgery. So here's the deal. He, I know I've brought this up before on the podcast, but, you know, whatever. There's nothing going on in the world. I'm talking about a fucking World Series game from 43 years ago. All right. Tommy John played on the Dodgers in 77 and 78. They went to the World Series, and they lost to the New York Yankees. In 1981, Tommy John is on the New York Yankees, and they played the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series and the Yankees lose to the Dodgers. I don't know if anybody has matched that. Marion Hosa came close. Where one year he played for the Penguins and lost to the Red Wings in the finals. The next year he was on the Red Wings and then lost to the Penguins. And then the next year he was on the fucking Blackhawks. And all I'm thinking is if they fucking lose this one, this is going to be the first guy in three consecutive years. Has to be that lost in the Stanley Cup Finals on three different fucking teams. But fortunately, the Blackhawks won. And he was spared. That embarrassing stat. Um, so I was watching that, and I'm hoping, you know what, my favorite, my favorite fucking baseball team of all time, other than the 2004 Boston Red Sox, would have to be the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates. The We Are Free. They were my favorite baseball team of all time. Willie Stagel, fucking uh, Dave Parker, 
Ed Ott, Kent Tocovey, John Candelaria, with a Foley at second base or something like that. I can't remember. Omar Moreno. And then they went up against fucking Earl Weaver with Eddie Murray. Eddie, I'm not smiling, Murray. Eddie, 500-something legit fucking home runs, no steroids, no coffee beans. Go fuck yourself. His scowl sent that ball over the fucking goddamn fence. They had uh, Frank Tanana, Rick Dempsey. Remember all of those fucking guys. Also, I've been cleaning up also all of my shit. And uh, and I found all of my football cards just going back through those things. I've been watching the highlights from like 1970s football. And I found this great quarterback for the fucking uh, Denver Broncos that was somehow between right before Craig Morton. Craig Morton, really interesting career where um, – he took over for Don Meredith with the Cowboys. He was the, uh, the Cowboys starting quarterback for two years before Roger Staubach came in. Then he got traded to the Giants. And then after the Giants, he went to the Denver Broncos. And with the Broncos, he ended up facing his old team, the Dallas Cowboys, in Super Bowl twelve, And lost like 27 to 10. All right. Charlie... Uh, Denver Broncos QB. What was this guy's name? Charlie Johnson. C-H-A-R-L-E-Y Johnson. And there's this great, um, there's this great clip of him talking about his first start as a QB. This is back when they were really forgiving of starting quarterbacks, just going, you know, they never win and that they, you know, and Charlie Johnson talks about his first game saying like, man, I thought I had the offense down. I thought I could read defenses and all that. And we played the Green Bay Packers. And he goes, I did throw two touchdown passes, but unfortunately they were both to Green Bay defensive backs. Has like a Southern drawl, just like the old school, you know, gunslinger. Um, you know, when I was a kid, they had this week in baseball. Bump, bump, dun, dun. And they showed all all the highlights from around the league. This is before they had fucking ESPN. So this is the only way you really could watch all these cool highlights. And I guess they had this week in football, this week in professional football with Pat Summerall and that other guy used to fucking drink with. And um, literally would be hammered. Like, well, legally drunk before games. And they'd be like laughing. It was like a joke that they were fucking drunk and nobody cared. Because being drunk was funny back then. Foster Brooks had a whole fucking act about being an alcoholic was just a funny fucking thing. Um, Yeah, back then alcoholism was fucking hilarious unless you were the poor woman married to it or the guy married to it. Then it was really sad. Um, But they had this show on. So they have like highlights of the 74 season, 75. You can watch all the weeks, the old uniforms, the old stadiums. And I've just been watching. They're like 42, 43 minutes long. They're fucking tremendous. Cannot recommend them enough. And um, what else have I been watching? I fucking hate when I do that. I was trying to check to see how much time I had done to see if I needed to read the advertising. I hit stop. Now i got to fucking edit the goddamn thing together. Well, God knows I have the time. Um, 
Anyway, my mother-in-law called me up. She was like, Bill, you got to watch this show. So I said, all right, put it on. It was called, it's called Flipping Boston. It did like two seasons. It's these two guys who basically in the Lynn area, Marblehead, Lowell, um, they like flip houses. Let's see how this poem goes. Lin Lin, the city of sin, you never go out the way you went in. There's actually, there's a second verse, right? Lin Lin, the city, the city of sin. You never come out the way you went in. Why is my stomach growling so much? Is it because I'm not eating? Uh, you ask for water, but they give you gin. The girls say no, yet always give in. If you're not bad, they won't let you in. It's the damnedest city I ever lived in. Lin Lin, the city of sin. You never come out the way you went in. <clears throat> now, I'm sure it's all fucking yuppies and shit. But uh, that's a great... You ask for water, but they give you gin. The girls say no, yet they always give in. If you're not bad, they won't let you in. It's the damnedest city I've ever been in. I mean, I've ever lived in. Come on, man. And I like how the person who live in there is judging the people there. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. How the fuck did you end up there? You must be a piece of shit too. Stop trying to separate yourself. So anyways, it's these two fucking guys. And one of the guys has the craziest accent ever. He has an English accent and a Boston accent combined, which I'm not even going to try to attempt to do. But what I love about him is he's always talking about his temper. I'll tell you right now, I'm at about a seven and you don't want to see me at an eight. I'll tell you right now, I'm about ready to do some demolition on this house with my fucking fist. (laughs) Every single fucking house, there is a goddamn problem. But their best one is when they have this neighbor who I think a lot of people have dealt with when you're doing a job. They just start calling the board of whatever to come over and you get fined and all of this shit. They're just fucking jealous that you're improving your fucking house. I have a friend of mine. She was doing some work on her house, and I guess it was semi, you know, I guess it wasn't legal. And this, her fucking neighbor knew it, and he waited until the day they were done and then reported him and made him tear it down. And I was like, wow, is that grounds for fucking severely vandalizing that guy's house at some point? You would have to do something. Um, I don't know how I would do it, but I, you, you, you would have to do what, what could you do where you wouldn't get caught? Um, well, I don't think enough people have like, I would just be worried about cameras. You'd have to do something really sophomoric dog shit in the mailbox, but like a lot of it fresh too, right from the farmer's market, dog shit. Um, no, nah, but if you put it in the mailbox, then it's, it's definitely done by a human. Dogs don't have thumbs. So they know that there's no reason the dog mistook this for some sort of horizontal toilet. So what you'd have to do is you just have to keep putting, this is what I would do. I would pick up dog shit in the neighborhood and I would drop it. I would drop it in the same location every fucking day. Oh, then eventually he would film you. All right, so what you need to do is you need to get creative. There just has to be fucking dog shit involved in it. 
you know. I'd throw it up on his roof. I would just constantly, because he's a piece of shit. Hood of his car. And this is what you do. You just do it forever. And you do it like once every fucking 30 days. Okay, the first day, because he doesn't think it's going to happen. All right, you go over there with your COVID mask on. And you go over at night and you take a nice fresh dog shit and you put it under the driver's side door handle. Or maybe all the door handles of his fucking car. All right, just to let him know that he started a fucking war that, you know, he's not going to like the results of. Okay, and he's going to know it's you. Okay, and then when you see him, you give him a big smile and a how you doing. That's it, right? And then you just wait and you 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 wait. And then you do something else. Same fucking shit, right? Nice fucking dog shit right on his front fucking mat, right? Now, there's going to be a temptation to drop your pants and take a fucking human deuce right there. But, I mean, there's DNA. You can't do that. 23 and me, they'll fucking figure out it was your shit. And then you're going to make the national news. You don't want that. All right. Although there was that one guy who took a shit on the fucking serving cart. And you cannot find that story anyway. He was a person of some sort of uh, level of wealth. Man shits on cart, airplane cart. Worst ever, air rage passenger jailed for drunken rampage. Wait a minute. This isn't the guy. He was on his way to Dubai. All right. Worst ever, air rage passenger jailed for drunken rampage. Yeah, see, this isn't, I, th- I, I bet this is, I bet this is a fucking lie to cover the rich dude. Because there was a rich dude who did this in like, the fucking 2000s here in America. All right, they're calling Jasper Zing Baraj the worst ever air rage passenger. He was given 11 months in prison for his drunken tantrum on a flight from Dubai to Birmingham, England. Uh, The judge who handed down the sentence spared no harsh words for Mr. Baraj. On the Emirates flight, the greatest airline I've ever been on, you drank vodka mixed with wine and then proceeded to abuse cabin staff. You demanded more alcohol and swore repeatedly, even though there were four young children behind you who had to listen to your tirade. You told a female member of the cabin crew that if she were on the ground, you would punch her in the face. And in particularly grotesque piece of behavior, you dipped your finger in your glass of wine and rubbed them on your private parts. The air hostess felt abused and disgusted after seeing you touch yourself in a sexually explicit way. You shouted, fucking Muslims, send them back to wherever they came from and fuck fucking ISIS. When you landed, you were abusive to police and bit a PC Ingram on the arm. 
People need to know that if you get drunk on an airplane, upset other passengers, and cause cabin crew to have a difficult job, then custodial sentences apply. You have many previous convictions, and it seems you will not learn your lesson. Okay, but I don't think he deserves because of the worst. Okay, the honor belongs to Gerard B. Finnerin in 1999. Finnerin, this is it. The 58-year-old head of an investment banking firm was seated in the first-class cabin of a United Airlines flight from Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires, however you say it, to New York, taking advantage of the free liquor being served. Well, isn't that the airplane's airline's responsibility? In that section of the plane, Finnerin, ha, ah, Finnerin, proceeded to get very, very drunk when a concerned flight attendant refused to give him another glass of wine. Finnerin took charge of the situation and began serving himself drinks from the beverage cart. When informed that it was against regulations for passengers to get their own drinks, an infuriated Finnerin told the flight attendant that he was going to bust his ass. When the threat failed to achieve Finnerin's desired results, he resorted to plan B, going berserk, terrifying passengers, knocking over crew members, and then grabbing drinks and pouring them over his body. He topped off the show with an ed- educational demonstration of primate dominance by clamoring onto the beverage cart that had been placed off limits to him and evacuating his bowels on it. By the way, that is the coolest thing way ever to say you shit on something, evacuating his bowels. It almost sounds like some post 9-11 thing, right? Using the first class linen napkins and his fingers to wipe his hindquarters. According to the criminal complaint filed against him, this, this captain of industry then proceeded to clean his fingers by walking up and down the aisles, tracking feces throughout the aircraft. There wasn't a blunt object somebody could have hit him with in the middle of that. Can you imagine the screaming? I bet they were screaming louder than if the fucking engine shut off. In court, Finneran pleaded guilty as charged. <laughs> I'm going to take full responsibility for evacuating me balls and rubbing me shit finger digits down the fucking aisles. Shite. Shite fingers. Thank you, Nia. Shite fingers down the aisles. He's American. This is American Irish. Maybe this is why they made him leave Ireland. Um, wow. Wow. Well, we got to look up now whatever happened to this guy. What a fucking loon. This is like, you know who I blame for this? The other passengers. He just kept taking it further and further. And at some point, the second a man has his pants down, I don't care what sort of UFC shit he knows, you can you can beat that guy up. All right? You just step on his balls like a fucking, you know, you know when a birthday party's over, there's that balloon that just lay in there. The kids aren't looking, you just step on it, it's over. That's what they should have done to his fucking ball back. Uh today, well 58, he must be he, this guy must be dead. He's got to be dead. 58 in 1995. What would that be? 20 years later, 78 and 5. 83, he could still be around. Passenger accused of defecating, pleads guilty. That's 1996. 
banker admits guilt on plane. Oh, my God. I mean, you need a new plane. All right, whatever happened to? Whatever happened to Gerard Finneran? Hey, Nia, what are you doing? You are. You don't want to come over here? Said so you don't want to come over here? Oh, all right. All right. I got to read some advertising here. Um, hey, Neil, what was that pasta man thing we documentary watching last night with that fucking guy who made that unbelievable pasta? Funky. What is it? Funky on Hulu. F-U-N-K-E. Funky. F-U-N-K-E on Hulu. Um, do, they, do they still have a restaurant out here? I don't know. We didn't get to the end. We both fell asleep. <laughs> oh, my God. When you're done, we need your help with something. Okay, cool. I'll be right there. Um, she wanted to come say hi, but I told her not to. Do you want her to? No, she can say hi. Hey, boo-boo. Um, come here. So, so the na- name of the uh, documentary is Funky? F-U-N-K-E, F-U-N-K-E on Hulu. This guy making pasta is incredible. Um, hey! Whoops. Huh? My, my, my baby tooth grew in. Your baby tooth grew in? Yeah. Did, did, you, did you put your, your other tooth under the pillow so you get your secret wish? Yeah. What's your secret wish? Chocolate ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She, I always read her this book. Is that your little dance? I read her this book, uh, One Morning in Maine. Yeah, my tooth fell off. That's right. So she plays, she pretends to dig clams like little Sal. Right, and the book by Will J in the boat. That's right. And the other day I was reading Blueberries for Sal, and you know the whole book by heart now. Yeah, and we read the house one. The house one? Yeah. What one's that? It was one way the blueberry would was her mind like salmon, the blueberry and the can for the winter. And they're canning them for what? The long All cold winter and they're canning them for the house. Yeah, can them for the house, that's right. All right, can you say happy Easter everybody? Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Let me do the rest of this, okay? All right. Um, yeah, so I was reading Blueberry, Blueberries for Sal, a Robert McClowski book. And uh, One Morning in Maine, Make Way for Ducklings, um, A Time for Something or Other. Like, I've, I've gotten them all at this point. Um, I got to get that lentil one. And uh, now she wants to go to Bucks Harbor at some point which is way up in Maine. And there's actually Mr. Condon's where he kept store actually still exists. Or no, the, 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 the auto body place where he fixes the guy's outboard motor. If you've read the books, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you're like, what the fuck's this guy talking about? All right. Um, all right. Simply safe, everybody. You know, with all the uncertainty in the world, feeling safe at home has never been more important. It's why I want to talk to you. About Simply Safe Home Security. They're longtime friends of show's name, the Monday Morning Podcast. 
and for good reason. Simply Safe has made it easy to finally get comprehensive protection for your home. Oh, yeah, so if you're trying to get your neighbor back, if they have Simply Safe, you're going to get caught. Uh, there's no technician or salesperson that needs to come and disrupt your house. You don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign a two-year contract. Just order online, set up yourself in under an hour, and your home is protected 24-7 with emergency dispatch for break-ins, fire, and more, all for just 50 cents a day. And we're not the only fans of Simply Safe. U.S. News World and World Report named Simply Safe best overall home security of 2020. Right now, when you head uh, to simplysafe.com slash burr, my listeners will get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. That's simplysafe.com slash burr to make sure they know that our show sent you. From Simply Safe and all of us here, wishing you safety and good health. And I got one other here. Legal Zoom, everybody. Health and safety is on top of everyone's mind right now. No matter what happens, you want to make sure your loved ones are protected. That's why LegalZoom continues to provide a reliable way for everyone to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. It starts with finding the answers to your questions. Do you need a last will and testament or a living trust? What about an advanced health care directive? And what's a power and what's a power of attorney? Thank yeah, that's uh, power of attorney means somebody can sign can be you on a legal document. Don't ever give that away. Do not ever never give away power of attorney. You have to sign the shit. All right. Thankfully, you don't have to figure everything out on your own. LegalZoom's online resources make it easy to get started. And if you need to speak to an attorney, their independent attorney network is there to guide and advise you. LegalZoom isn't a law firm, so you won't have to worry about expensive billable hours adding up. Take important steps for your family today. Go to LegalZoom.com to get started on a last will, living trust, and MOA. Or find out how you can speak to an attorney for advice on the right estate plan. LegalZoom, where life meets legal all right, so I've been getting crazy back into cooking, even though I'm just cooking kind of like not fun, healthy shit. Uh, I have been cooking for my ladies, my lovely ladies here at the house. And um, so I've decided that I'm going to learn how to make my own bread and whatnot. Uh, I just, you know, not even because of this fucking bullshit that's going on. It's just something that looks like a lot of fun takes me back to being a little boy and playing in the fucking mud. That's what I like about bake, baking. There's something just fucking sloppy about it. Uh, yeast. Hey, Billy Sourdough Tits. <laughs> I'm in fucking great shape. I don't know why I get all these these tits this and tits that. All right? I've, you know, I've had problems with the booze that I put on the way, but I'm, I'm fucking, I'm tipping the scales here. The buck 69, 170. All right? 32 fucking years out of high school, 33, 34, if I didn't stay back, you know. Uh, making yeast is easy. I can do what you do. Easy. Uh, just two ingredients. No need to pay high prices for it to, uh, for some lunatic who's hoarding it. Here's the recipe. Ingredients. One and one quarter. Uh, see, I'm assuming that's a cup of unbleached all-purpose flour. Or milled wheat slash wheat berries. One cup of clean, warm water. Sterile jar with cheesecloth or lid. 
Instructions. Mix the flour in warm water and keep it room temperature. After several days, the mixture will start to bubble and will begin to rise. Whenever I see that word, I remember that Louis C.K. bit where he was arrested and they made him strip down naked and he had his hands out to the sides and the cop goes, all right, I need you to lift my testicles. And he was standing there and goes, well, can I use my hands? Or do you just want me to be like, Christ, testicles? Some jokes just stay with you. That one always stayed with me. Uh, Keep your in the refrigerator when not in use. Use as you would any sourdough starter. Um, That's all there is to it. And then I just do the sourdough thing. Yeah, isn't that called the mother? Um, All right, vaccine. Yo, Bill, back in high school four years ago, you turned me on to a healthy way of thinking about the news and the things they intentionally get us mad about. Oh, good. Glad you bought into my way of looking at the world. I hope I'm right. Uh, I was wondering if you were skeptical about the idea idea of getting a COVID vaccine or possibly just weary of being part of the first wave. A very comprehensive article about the company behind the vaccine we'd be getting was put out this week. Here's the gist of it since Billy No News won't read it. Yeah, I also don't look at anything until I do the podcast, so let's see. Uh, Bioport is about to go bankrupt. I think was about to go bankrupt in 2001 because they couldn't account for millions the government gave them for research and development. Uh, They're about to go bankrupt, but 9-11 happens and their anti-anthrax vaccine is needed. So instead of being happy, they still had a business. Uh, So instead of being happy, they still had a business. They doubled down and lobbied for enormous amounts of stockpiled vaccines to be sold to the government. It was later proven that they had foreknowledge of the anthrax attacks. They rebrand as emergent and cornered the market on the anti-drug of treating opioid overdoses and quickly made it too expensive for mass distribution while suing competitors making anything as close as effective. A man on the board of this company was in charge of biodefense under Bush and pushed to vaccinate troops with biothrax, a drug not approved by the FDA. Huge shocker, it wasn't safe, killed 20 active servicemen, and over 4,000 became ill. So when it comes to COVID, I'm sure they're on the case. All right, I'll send you guys this link, and you guys can make up your own mind. But, uh, you know, we've heard one side. We've heard the prosecution's case. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm just, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm living, I live a little life. All right, that I mean that sounds like the plot line of the next Marvel fucking eight movie arc trilogy, however you say eight part series. Is that a mini series? I don't fucking know. Um, all right, the name Bill, comma. I thought the whole story was ridiculous. I work in radiation and my wife works in the ER. This has to be a voice text. Who starts a fucking email? I thought the whole story was ridiculous. It's like I I just walked in on a conversation. I work in radiation with my wife, and my wife works in the ER. Since January, all medical professions called it that. 
what the name? I'm Chinese, born in China. My wife is Korean, born in Korea. Calling it that doesn't make it racist. Just because someone you don't like calls it that. Everyone called the Wuhan virus and the China virus interchangeably interchangeably for months. No one called it Corona because there are lots of coronaviruses. So why would you call it just that? All the energy and time wasted on every news outlet and Twitter people with nothing to do all day could have gone towards deploying better information. Um, well, you're also making the assumption that everybody who jumped on Twitter and got up in arms on that was actually working on some sort of vaccine or making people safe. It's just mouth breathers talking. And I don't necessarily think that what he was like at face value, it's not racist, but his background where he sees both sides of ne- a, a story involving neo-Nazis and a dead protester of neo-Nazis. He's like, well, there's two sides to each story. That type of shit. Among other things is why, yeah, you're not going to convince me that the guy is not a full-on fucking, just overtly fucking racist dude. Um, Because I don't have a problem with conservative politics. Um, I have a problem with sanity. uh, And somebody being fit for the job. And I felt that when he called it the China virus, it wasn't like necessarily my first thought was that's racist is that I looked at it like this guy is shitting himself and he's the quarterback of the team and he's coming back to the huddle pointing fingers and yelling at the refs and doing all of this shit. And what we need is Joe Montana right now to come to the huddle and be like, hey, isn't that John Candy in the fucking crowd? And everybody's like, wow, look how fucking relaxed he is. We're going to be fine rather than shitting yourself. So I know other people said that it was fucking racist, but like, um, you're not going to convince me otherwise that the guy isn't racist. Um, I think how you are possibly in the way you view saying this, um, I don't think in your heart, the way you're writing this, that you are, you know what I mean? So I would say that, but let's, let's continue on here. Um, anyway, uh, I canceled a trip to visit family in February because Trump talked about travel ban in January and I didn't want to get stuck there. My white friends tried to play it to me like it sucks that the racist is keeping you from your family. Now, I believe that, too, because I also believe that people fucking hate Trump to a point that they're not even like rational. Um, But I don't blame them for that. I think that if you watch CNN and you watch Fox News every day, Um, you have an extreme hatred for half of your fellow countrymen, which is just an absolutely reprehensible slash treasonous thing that the 24-hour news networks, both on the left and the right, have done to each other. We should be, I should be able, like I lean left, I should be able to sit down with somebody on the right and listen to their points of view, and we should be able to fucking talk and hang and be Americans. And also back in the day, you didn't bring up religion or politics because you didn't want to fucking argue with people. And I have this weird hybrid thing where I was raised conservative, sort of became liberal, and then kind of veered back a little bit conservative. But like, I kind of stay in the, uh, the meat of it. You know what I mean? Like my, my conservative 
stuff I think has to do with like raising kids and and I, I think I'm really conservative when it comes to that shit. I'm conservative about what you expose kids to um, as far as what they watch on TV and that type of stuff. And as I think a lot of liberals are, they just don't realize those are conservative fucking viewpoints. Where I really fucking draw the line politically is uh, all like, you know, the extreme religious right, rapture, Jesus, lunatics, and then the extreme left where, you know, toys shouldn't have genders and you shouldn't be allowed to fucking blah, 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 blah. And, you know, why are we giving little boys football? I don't know, because little boys like football, you fucking idiots. You know, like, I, I, I don't, you know, or if they don't, you don't force them to play football. But I'm just saying there's no reason to fucking, you know, to prove whatever point you're trying to prove that if I have a son, he has to run around with a pink football, you know, to make everybody feel like, hey, man, like, yeah, man, like, I, I don't fucking get it. All that. It's just stupid to me. It's fucking stupid because I have to be honest with you. The shit that I've heard the extreme left say, um, some of the cr- the craziness of it and the way that they've gone about aggressively forcing their agenda down people's fucking throats um, is is right there with what the fuck I see on the on the extreme right. All right, but like I don't think there's anything wrong with owning a fucking gun, but I think there's a tremendous responsibility. If you get a gun, you don't just buy the fucking gun and go, tell you what, somebody comes through that door, I'm fucking taking this thing out. Like, you should know how to fucking take that thing apart, put it back together blindfolded, and you should know how to fucking use it. You know? And you should be constantly going to a gun range and practicing and respecting that you have that fucking thing in the house. And then, of course, have it in a gun safe and all of that, which... I don't get how that fucking works where somebody comes in your house and they're running up the stairs and you're like 36 to the right, 22 to the left for oh shit. I guess I am nervous, you know? Um, I think this is what you do. Y- your wife goes to the fucking safe and then you have a giant spear. <laughs> like a harpoon. So when that guy comes through the door in the fucking dark, you lunge and you stick him. And then hopefully she gets the gun out, right? But then what I always worry about is tinnitus. My ears are shot from playing drums and going to concerts and not having earplugs back in the day. And I've also shot a five-shot thirty-eight without earplugs and, and like, um, I don't know. So anyway, so I hope when you guys listen to this shit, I know you guys know that I'm a fucking a lefty, but like, I don't have problems with people on the right as long as you're sane. And I don't have problems with people on the left as long as you're sane. But I, I do have a problem with people who, um, once you take your belief and then I have to buy into it. And if I don't, you're going to try and cancel me like what the left is doing. Like, I don't get how that's any different than like that McCarthyism shit back in the day, trying to take people's careers away. And then they did this thing. It went beyond the person they were upset with. If you 
said, well, hey, man, that guy was always cool to me. Then they tried to get rid of you, too, even though you didn't do anything other than express support for the person that they were upset with. That's when it's just like you guys have kind of become what the fuck you're allegedly against. So anyway, let's just continue here. Uh, my white friends tried to play it to me like it sucks that the racist is keeping you from your family. Um, I don't doubt that. All right. I don't care. I don't doubt that that happened. All right. I don't care about politics. I care about facts and numbers and records. I agree with you. When the World Health Organization uh, reported on it in January, they said the virus might not be transmitted human to human. They knew it was, but they downplayed it by saying might. My colleagues and I knew this was bullshit. My wife treated someone in January and knew it was severe. I think everyone will, with common sense, thought this as well, thought this as well, but I can only speak from people in my community. Now it's April, and when I mention the travel ban to my white hero friends, they have nothing to say. When I talk to my Asian friends, here in America, we laugh about how much China lies about everything and how so many people are dead we probably don't know about. See, this is really interesting here, this shit here. Uh, notice how I said we laugh about how much China lies, not that people are dying. Yeah, I got that. He said, Bill Maher made a video about the name this week. I don't think he's very funny and I don't watch his show, but I can agree with what he says on this. And just like the stupid conversation about the stupid name, I added to the waste of time. Wait, and just like the stupid conversation about the stupid name, I added to the waste of time. Health to your family. P.S. I saw Iron Maiden in South Korea in 2011. How cool is that? I took my then 62-year-old Korean father-in-law he still refers to it as the loud opera. Oh, man, that's fucking, that's a great fucking name for an Iron Maiden album. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, that's a great description, though. You know what? That was really eye-opening. A lot of that. I was guilty of some of the shit that you said there. Um, I think in defense of everybody, we haven't had an outbreak like this in a long, long fucking time, a global thing like this. So I just don't think that we were uh, prepared for it. I think we will be in the future. This is a great dry run. Um, and that's that. But I mean, the new fly in the ointment is fucking air travel. Where in a 24-hour period, you can go from New York City to Sydney, Australia. Um, and bring whatever the fuck you have all the way over there. And then you sneeze on somebody and then gets on a flight to Singapore and there it goes. Uh, so that's good. So what that person just wrote is the kind of shit that I love to read because it cuts through all of that hysteria that all my CNN Fox news friends, cause I have both of those, you know, I have friends who on the right can watch Donald Trump Talk about banging models, make references to that <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic and see nothing wrong with it. And it's just like, dude, it, he's the fucking president of the United States. He shouldn't be talking about the pussy he's gotten. OK, I know JFK banged Marilyn Monroe. We know the pussy they're getting. You don't talk about it. 
Can you guys do me a favor? If you ever bang a fucking model, you know what's cooler? The only thing cooler than banging a model is not telling anybody you did it. And then sitting there where everybody's telling their fucking pussy stories, right? I did this and I did that. And they said, hey, bitch, get over here and fucking did that. And you just sit there nodding your head, smiling. And hey, man, I can't follow that. That right there, that's the real fucking deal. Um, all right, puppy dog, everybody. Hey, Bill, I suggest you get a puppy. It's the perfect time for you to get one. It'll put a smile on your grumpy face. (laughs) And that joy will spill over to your lovely daughter who's tired of telling you to fucking relax. Well, gee, you made a lot of assumptions there. What do you mean she's tired? She's not tired of telling me to relax. Stop fucking superimposing your relationship with your dad on me. Me and my daughter get along fucking great. Um, It's safe to assume you live behind a fence. Uh, so you shan't worry about the little one getting out. I hope you think this idea is a good one because if you do, my wife will give her blessings for me to get one. Uh, don't worry. I'm not a cuck and I'm getting one anyways. Um, I don't, I think you're, I don't, I, I hate that expression. Cuck. That's one of those stupid internet things that one person used it and now everybody uses it. It's kind of like now everybody's saying tone deaf is the latest way to say somebody isn't woke. They're a little tone deaf. Shut the fuck up. You fucking all white world. Um, yeah, buddy. Uh, I, I'll, I'll get a fucking dog when uh, my life settles down. Okay. I, I'm planning on getting one right now. And uh, my dream dog has always been a bulldog. My wife is against it. We've negotiated to French bulldog. And the next round of negotiations was one bulldog, one French bulldog. That's it. All right. And uh, and that's it. And, that's, and it's going to fucking happen. Okay. It's not going to happen right fucking now when I have a three-year-old. Okay. Who has more goddamn energy. It's like, it just keeps going up at the end of the day. Like when we're putting her to bed, she's literally running around, um, like a crazy person. Um, yeah, I'm not going to add a puppy to that situation. Um, when my life settles down a little bit, I will. And then also, you know, you also got a time when you're going to get a dog. Okay. Cause you know how long they're going to live and you got, the kid has to be of a certain age. I don't want to get a fucking bulldog when my kid's three and the thing dies when she's nine or ten. However, those things live like eight years, like 11. I I don't need that. I don't need that. Um, All right. Single mom advice on teen. But I appreciate your advice. Single mom advice on teenage boys. Hey, Bill, my boys and I are super huge fans. I've been a fan for many years. We enjoy watching your specials and listening to your podcast. I'm a single mom with a son who's 14 and another that is 11. I'm going through this teen segment of parenting all on my own, and I am curious on what advice you may have for my boys. What are some things you you think are essential for a boy to grasp at this age? Any wisdom you could share with them would be awesome. Uh, we would really appreciate your thoughts. Thank you for all the love. Oh, sorry. Thank you for all the laughter you bring. And please tell Nia, I love her and hearing your daughter always makes me smile. All right. Well, you know something, 
This is something I was talking to somebody the other day about what they should teach people in school. I'm at that age. Oh, by the way, everybody. It's time for advice. Hey. Your host, Billy Burns. That's me. From somebody else. Um, all right. I, uh, this is the advice I would give. All right. If you have a crush, if they have a crush on a girl, right? Just walk up and say hello. Tell her that you like her and see if she'll go out with you. Simple as that. Get over that fear. All right? Because here's the thing. It's always embarrassing the first time you do it. If they're not doing it yet, it's always fucking embarrassing. But once you do it, it's like doing that first open mic. The first time you bomb, you survive it. And then somewhere along the line, you learn to find the humor in bombing. And if you can do that, you'll never be afraid to ask for what you want in life. So right now, The chicks you want to bomb with are the ones when you're 11 and 14 because that's just puppy love. But someday when the girl of your dream comes along, you want to have the confidence to walk up and say hello so you get what you want in life. The most important thing ever, finding the person you're supposed to spend your life with so you can be happy. All right? Secondly, you got to teach somebody how to break up with somebody. Very simple. But they never teach you. You just tell the person, just say, hey, listen, uh, we need to talk. They sit down. What's up? Just say, listen, I think you're a great person, but, you know, I'm just I'm not happy. You know, and as much as I like you and everything. I, I just there isn't that thing that's making me feel like this is a lifetime love. I have love for you, but I don't have life, full lifetime love for you. Something like that. And there's nothing anybody can say to that shit. And then just don't get fucking roped back into it. And then they're going to cry and they're going to go through all of that shit. And there's no reason to be mean or anything like that. And just sit there, hug them, be nice about it. And you can just say, listen, I don't want to waste any more of your time or my time We should both go out and find the people that we're supposed to be with. And as much as this hurts you right now, someday you're going to find that guy that wants to love you for the rest of your life. Okay? And you'll be very thankful that I set you free to go find him. Something like that. That last line might have been a little corny. But that's, you got to teach him that. All right? Next, teach him about money. All right? They're going to be getting to the point Soon, where they're going to be going off to college, believe it or not, in the next five years for that kid who's 14, and then they're going to give him a fucking credit card, and they're going to get in all of this. The the, the, the fucking bankers, what they want to do is get you fucking in so much goddamn debt before you even realize what the fuck happens. You're running on the wheel for the rest of your life, and maybe in your 60s you come out of it. All right? I would show them the Goodfellas scene after they knock off that fucking, the Lithuanza heist. When Robert De Niro, don't buy anything. Don't buy anything. If I can give you any fucking advice, now that I'm cleaning out my garage and looking at all the fucking shit I saved over the years, don't buy anything. Don't collect anything. Don't get involved in that shit. Live a very sparse, sparsely furnished fucking life. Do not give in to fucking consumerism. All right? 
Live well within your means. Okay? Always have enough money that if you're not liking a job, you have the time to be like, fuck you, I'm out of here, and find something else. If you suddenly get laid off, if there's a fucking pandemic, you can survive. All right? Do not get involved in living week to fucking week. Um, less is more. Less is more. Less is more. And then as far as all the kids that you go to school with, whatever they think about you, none of it matters. Because in the next five years, you're going to graduate and you're never going to see 99% of them ever again. Even with fucking social media, you're never going to see them again. So you have to listen to your voice and what the fuck you want to do in life. And you follow that. Okay? And know that when you set off to make a dream happen, that when you tell people that that's what you're doing, the bigger the dream, the more negative feedback you're going to get. And you have to understand, as Tom Papa told me, that whenever he made a big decision in life, he realized that you know so much of people's reactions to what he was doing had nothing to do with him. It was them working out their own bullshit. All right? And then just be... Uh, be a good shit. Don't fuck people over. Try not to hurt anybody. You're a human being. You'll make mistakes. You will. Just try to own up to them and try not to repeat your mistakes. And other than that, you know, be forgiving of yourself and uh, try not to be a cunt. There you go. All right. Notice none of that involved your grades or having two years of a fucking language and all that other horse shit they try to get you to fucking buy into. All right. Overrated, underrated, uh, underrated, buying ladies potted plants. All right, everyone buys chicks flowers, but what the hell are they going to do with the bouquet of flowers that were just recently murdered? Buy her a plant in a pot, especially a cactus. Potted cacti will never die. They have spikes all over them, and it's way better than getting a girl a rose. Um, but for whatever reason, they, they respond more to the rose than the potted cacti. But I guess if you give them the potted, potted cacti, this represents my love, which like the potted cacti will never die. I like where you're going with this. This is also a nice test too, to see how fucking much your wife or girlfriend watches the Kardashians. Cause if you don't get them a rose and you get them a potted cacti and they're like, yeah, Um, that's a, maybe a good lock the door test. I kind of like that. I gotta be honest with you. Um, all right. That's it, everybody. That's all I got for you. Um, that's it. Yeah. Hang in in there. I'll fucking hang in in, in, in there. I'll check in on you on Thursday. Um, let me know what music you guys are listening to. God knows I got the fucking time over here. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Hang in there. Stay positive. And it's okay if somebody has a different opinion than you do. We're all fucking fellow Americans. And in a bigger picture, we're all human beings. All right. So no matter what the fucking leader tells you, red tie or blue tie, if it doesn't make sense, if it seems divisive, don't listen to that shit. 
All right. I like the red states. I like the blue states. I like Canada. I like Mexico. I like people. All right. And all it takes is a couple of cunts to ruin the whole fucking thing. And once you see that, everybody can hang out and have a good time. All right. Go fuck yourselves. I'll see you soon.